Hello and welcome to Enneagram and Coffee, the podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Jane Case, and I am so happy to have coffee with you today. As many of you already know, I spent the weekend doing additional Enneagram training. Now, this particular training was with the Narrative School of the Enneagram, and so I want to give a thank you to Evan Barbie for pulling me into this world and Peter and Renee for holding such incredible space for all of us. The narrative tradition is really fascinating because they do so much focus on panels. I've watched panels before, but this experience was so different for me. Ultimately, it was this realization that there's always something new to learn about people. I've been studying the Enneagram for years, and yet I still found myself with the new realizations about different types in the system itself. So of course, I wanted to come on. I wanted to share with you my big aha moments for the Oprah fans out there. So the first thing that I really learned this weekend is that I am in love with the narrative tradition. A few things that really stood out to me were that they change as they learn. So much that they discussed, they said, well, we used to talk about it this way, but now we talk about it this way. And I think that's, first of all, so beautiful, but also really ethical, right? To continue to learn, to continue to remain curious, and to make the needed adjustments. The second one is that they point back to the person. So instead of saying, well, how do you, you, maybe you don't fit into the system. They say, well, how does the system fit with you? They ask questions. They seek curiosity. Um, you know, Peter has been teaching for 41 years and he was still curious. Like he'd never heard anyone talk about their type before. And that is so beautiful. And the third thing is that, you know, so much of what I've read that didn't quite sit well with me where I've learned and and workshops or teachings that didn't quite sit well that I've made my own personal adjustments to, uh, the narrative tradition is kind of teaching that way, which was really interesting to go into a room and be like, oh, you guys were here this whole time and I could have found you. You know, there's a lot of like the focus on the positive side and, and recognizing that these are positive traits that we can overuse and ultimately not serve us versus what a lot of can happen is just focusing on what you should fix or trying to be different. So I really appreciated that language and the concept that, you know what, you're going to be your type forever. And maybe we soften our edges. Maybe we, we find different ways of orienting in the world, but ultimately at the end of the day, we will hold awareness for our type for life. I really appreciated that. Now, The second thing that I really, that took away from this weekend is the difference between personality and character structure. A lot of times Enneagram talks about um, the personality that we develop, but the narrative tradition, they're, they're talking about character structure. And I really appreciate that because the personality, it shifts, right? Like our personalities change in our lives. I might be really chipper and dancy one year and really low energy the next year. But my character structure doesn't, right? What's driving me, what's motivating me, the reason I make the choices I make, that is my character structure and that stays the same. The third thing that I took away is that there is so much right and wrong thinking, but really it's about both and. That's the message I received over the entire weekend is that, um, you know, we tend to operate in the world as like, this is the way to be and there's a way not to be. And so if I want to live, you know, my, my character structure, it says one thing, you know, my character structure says freedom is the ultimate gift and I positive thinking is the right way to be. 
And then when I'm trying to exit in the past, I've tried to exit my type structure, um, you know, my character structure, my type pattern by being like, you know what? I'm going to be really honest about my emotions. I'm, I'm going to commit to things. And the truth is that both of those were wrong for me. Trying to like really enforce the fact that I'm angry and I am sad. That didn't serve me either, right? The middle ground there, both and like I can be sad and happy. I can be um, committed and free. That is the ultimate message. And I think that if we can look at our type and see, you know, where can I hold both? There's so much freedom there, right? The next thing that I took away is that the thing that the people close to us to get is the worst parts of our type pattern. And I say thing because it kind of seems to be the case with a lot of our types. We go out into the world, we give them the best of what we have to offer and we go home and there's nothing left to give. That can be really, really common. And I heard that on every single panel, you know, my partner gets the worst of me. I think there's a beauty to the safety that we feel in that, right? This like, you're going to be there for me no matter how I show up. But at the same time, of course, we want the people who are the most committed to us in our lives to get the best. So it's an interesting thing. And I know that I recognize that as a seven, people are always like, you bring so much joy into a room. And I go home and I don't want to be the joy anymore, you know? Um, And so it's interesting to notice. The next thing is that you have to practice. It's not enough to just know. We kind of know this, right? Like you can take in as much information as you want, but until we practice, until we really notice and make adjustments to our behavior that no neural new neural pathways are going to form. Those things, those like changed behavior over time happens because you try and you try and you try again and you practice. I think it can be tempting to just take in the information and be like, okay, I know it. And that's all I need to do. Right. But it's just small shifts. It's small shifts over time. You don't have to radically change tomorrow. And in fact, I would say that that's just a recipe for fallback a recipe to like, go do it, succeed for a minute, and then go back to your old ways. But if you want to create new, actual life-changing patterns, you just try and you try again. Okay. The next one, this is a direct quote from Renee. So I want to be clear. She said, every time you see your pattern is a time to celebrate. Like the fact that you notice this is an evolutionary miracle. And I loved that so much because what she's saying here, you know, so, so many times, right. We see our type pattern and we're like, I've failed again, or we see our type pattern and we're like, you know, we dismiss the impact, but the reality is it's a celebration that you, and it's a celebration and it's an opportunity, right? You have this, what a joy, what an incredible miracle that you can sit outside of yourself, notice the way that you protect yourself through these behavior patterns, and then make a different choice. Choose a path that serves you better and serves other people better. I just loved that. Okay. The seventh thing that I took away is that overlay of your upbringing and aging changes and softens us. So a lot of times, and this was kind of from a conversation I had outside of the workshop with a friend we had lunch together. We we're both talking about how we grew up and, and how I'm a seven, she's an eight. And we kind of, you might get the message, like you don't seem like a blank. And ultimately 
it's kind of an irrelevant statement because at the end of the day, only we know what's going on inside of us. But I realize, like a lot of times I don't seem like a seven because I grew up with the strong idea spoken over me that it's an important for me as a woman to be of service, to be helpful, that if I want my place in the world, then I better be good to people, you know, and um, not only seek out my own interests, even though maybe in the internal experience that I'm having, there's a battle there for those things. So I really want to remind you that just because someone doesn't seem like an eight um, doesn't mean that they aren't, that that isn't still the work that they're doing in the world. I just loved that conversation because we both really touched on how maybe we don't present um, as intensely as our types may seem, but we know our internal experience and a lot of that presentation comes from our cultural, our familial um, overlays that get placed on us. Okay, the eighth big takeaway is I loved the way that Peter phrased the stress move. We talk a lot over here about how I approach the lines a little bit differently, and the narrative is the closest way that I've found um, to match kind of the way I've been viewing them. And the narrative talks about, you know, I talk about the stress move like you can recognize that you're in stress. And I think that that's true. But the way Peter phrased it was like, sometimes we're tempted to live out of our stress place. And, um, you know, maybe a type six wants to try to live in a type three because type three you know, seems to get them the results they want to get. Or as a type seven, I'm very tempted in business to live as a type one. And because I think that will get me the results that I want. And the way he phrased it is when you live out of this space all the time, that can be really stressful. And I just, there's so much grace in that, right? It is really stressful for me as a seven to try to be like a one. And I, you know, I can see that pattern in so many of my clients and so many of my friends that I, I just love the language there. And it's kind of like this immediate release. Like you don't have to do that. It's okay. You don't have to. And they also do talk about the same thing. We can pull from the high and the low end. You can climb up or you can fall down. Like I just loved, I loved the way they approached the lines. Um, and a lot of ways we were on the same page there and they even gave me a rounding out of my own understanding. So I thought it was really beautiful. The next thing I wanted to do is that I had a really big softening, um, a lot of openings around the types during the panels, and I wanted to share kind of one big takeaway from each of the numbers. So for our type ones, I really felt like I understood more the inner experience of a type one. Uh, There's a lot of conversations like, I just thought the whole time that my inner voice was the voice of you know, we all had like this inner voice of what's right and wrong and that everyone else was just kind of not participating, that they were intentionally ignoring the right thing. And I thought that was really fascinating because, you know, when you think that way, when you see the world as like right and wrong and you assume everyone else has the same kind of filter that you have, you, it really would feel like, why are you intentionally doing the wrong thing? So I loved that. I loved that perspective. Now type two, I learned so much that our type twos tend to draw in people who benefit from their overgiving because when you're a giver, it can really draw in people who are want to take. And what broke my heart about this is that 
twos value that relationship so much. And, and as they start to learn to take care of themselves, that can cause severing of relationships that really depend on them being givers and over-sacrificing, which is kind of the twos or sphere, right? To sever those relationships. But at the end of the day, were they really friends at all? So that's just something I was thinking about. So type three, there's this idea of like, I don't always know who I am, but I know who you want me to be. And I, I found that really powerful. Like, you know, threes read a room so well, and they know how to show up to be the best they can be in a situation, but that can leave them unsure of what is going on inside of them. I'm sure of who they are deep, deep down. There's also this general idea that threes need someone in their life who isn't impressed with them, but still loves them. And I've heard this kind of language before, like all threes need like a grounding person, like someone who just brings them back to earth, helps them to be, you know, a place where they can be completely honest about their faults and their failures and still be loved. And I thought this language of of someone who in their life who was impressed with them was so powerful. For type fours, um, I think that I really digested the desire for belonging um, of our fours in a new way. There was also something that Renee said that, oof, I texted my husband immediately. Um, And it's that when families say they have a problem child, they just have a kid who is expressing the unexpressed feelings of the family system. You guys, like... I think that that's so powerful for our fours because whether our family intends to send that message to a four or not, a lot of times people don't know what to do with all of that emotion in a family system. And, and fours need their emotions to be validated and heard. Through our type fives, one of the big messages that I heard from our type fives is that they feel kind of outside of the world and like their life is separate from the, from the life of everyone else. Um, The other message that I really appreciated hearing was like, hey, as a five, like I can sit with you. If you're going through a hard time, you maybe a five isn't the first person you're thinking of, but maybe they're exactly what you need. And I think that's so right. Fives can be so comfortable with the inner space, not afraid of darkness, and really able to see logically a situation that might feel really terrifying. And then we have our type sixes and there's this idea of, of, you know, certainty is the thing that you're seeking as a six. And maybe sometimes you look to other people to tell you what to be certain about. But then at the end of the day, when you feel that certainty, there's not really a lot of relief there because, well, once you think you know everything, what's coming next, you know? So I thought that was really interesting, kind of a constant, it's very unsettling um, to even say that language, to say those words, it feels unsettling in my system. So I imagine, you know, living in that space would feel unsettling a lot of time. On the seven panel (laughs) from the sevens, I, um, you know, I had an interesting experience because I was on the seven panel and I loved that we were kind of laughing the whole time even though maybe I was crying, I was crying and laughing and it really felt like a distinct, noticeable difference. And you can, you can kind of see a difference in all the panels, but being on the panel, I was like, Oh, I can see how we all kind of sit the same. It's really strange. 
But with that, I really came to the realization that a lot of times, you guys, sevens are holding so much, like sometimes so much darkness and so much sadness, and people don't always really know. We may be the loneliest person in the room surrounded by people and smiling, and that's kind of confusing. And But it's the most real experience that I have is that, you know, I can be in a really hard space, walk into a room and ask you how you're doing with a smile on my face. The other big realization for me, and I think this was the first time I've said this out loud, is that I've felt traditionally like I'm as lovable as I am happy. If I'm not happy, then people want to be around me and I'll be without love. And I think that, you know, when you get into a panel situation, I encourage all of you guys to seek out a panel. I know Evan's doing a ton of panels in Nashville. I know a lot of you guys are in Nashville, Tennessee. So please go check out Evan Barbie. Um, It's Evan Barbie on Instagram. Also Enneagram, the narrative Enneagram Nashville, I think is the Instagram account, but they do a ton of panels and it's so worth going to. And maybe even sitting on one if you feel brave, maybe even more so if you don't feel brave, you know what I mean? But anyway, it's so powerful because you get to some truth that you didn't really know you had underneath all of that. So I really, really appreciated that. So for our type eights, the clear connection to two was my biggest takeaway. Oh, our eights, there's so much love, like so much warmth. And it's so ooey gooey, like so beautiful. Um, There's a lot of talk of the people in their lives and the love they have to give. And that's kind of paired with this power a strength that is there to kind of cover up the heart because when the heart opens, it's really so beautiful. I can understand why you would feel tempted to guard it with everything you have because it's freaking gorgeous. And of course we all want a piece of it. (laughs) Um, There's also this idea of being the champion for other people. I think every single eight said that the word championing others, the phrase, And I really see that. I see how eights really call people into their greatness. And finally, for our type nines, um, there's this push-pull between invisibility as safety and also, like all of us, there's a deep longing to be seen. The other thing I loved, they said, was if you want to love a nine, encourage them to get angry with you. I think that's like just such a perfect way to to phrase that because... The truth is like eight, nines don't always feel comfortable expressing frustration. It can kind of come out in, in quiet sideways ways, you know, but really encouraging a nine to get angry with you. And when they get angry with you, not getting angry with them, right? Allowing there to be the space for negative emotions to be spoken to you, you know, allowing there to be not a full, easygoing partner on the other side but a full whole human who can show up exactly as they are. I'm so pleased to do this, you guys, because it's a beautiful reminder that the Enneagram is alive, that people can't be comprehended by the system, but that we are endlessly interesting and unique. I was truly impacted by the work of the Narrative School and honored to witness and participate. I know this episode is just like a teeny bit rambly, um, so I appreciate you guys sticking with me on it, but I really wanted to speak from my heart and, um, you know, get the points out, but also be honest about where I'm at. And so I didn't really script it out or anything. I really just kind of spoke to you. I also, I get asked all the time about Enneagram certification. 
So you might want to check out the Narrative School. I know they have more workshops coming up. They are in Cincinnati, they're in California, and now they have more workshops coming to Nashville. The website for them is www.enneagramworld.com. And if you want in on future Instagram lives that I might do, covering these kind of things. If you want weekly Q and A's, if you want conversation around the Enneagram, if you want weekly journaling prompts, definitely check out Club Enneagram. It's just clubenneagram.com. That's where we hang out and do all things Enneagram. As always, thank you so much for being here. Uh, It's really an honor to create this content for you. And if you like today's episode, please don't hesitate to leave a rating and review in iTunes. The ratings are how we get this podcast to more incredible listeners just like you. Until next time, have a great week.